While they call them direct banks, there is a lot of indirect discussion around them and confusion as to what their role is in the financial services marketplace. In particular, how do direct banks fit in with traditional banks, how do they work together, and how do they sometimes rub against each other? Enter the latest BAI Banking Outlook report, and here to break it down for us, we have BAI's own Jason Mencius and Mark Riddle. Welcome to BAI Banking Strategies, where each week we'll focus on the key issues facing financial services leaders. We'll bring you objective opinions and actionable insights that will help you power smart decisions. Come on in. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. Fantastic to have you here with us. We've got some terrific information coming your way from two of BAI's finest, Jason Mencius and Mark Riddle. Jason is the manager of research at BAI. He joined BAI in 2012 and has more than 15 years of financial services experience in the areas of benchmarking, retail banking, marketing, and product management. Mark Riddle is the director of research and content delivery at BAI. Mark is an industry veteran who brings a wealth of expertise to BAI clients. He delivers industry insights and BAI benchmarking program updates to keep our clients informed on critical critical industry information. Jason, Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Ah, direct bank. That is a new term for a digital age. Explain to our listeners what a direct bank is and how it works. So a direct bank, the other term that others may hear is online bank. So it's a completely digital bank that really has no branch network. You can't just walk down the street like Chase has branches on every corner, a direct bank, you're not going to see a branch anywhere. It's all interactions online, digitally, through call centers. Think of banks, again, like Discover Bank, USAA, TIAA. The other big one is Capital One 360 that a lot of people know. In this corner, we have traditional banks. And in this corner, we have direct banks fighting for that primary relationship. Jason, who's winning? Lou, mainly right now, it is the large traditional banks winning the battle for primary relationships. And yes, there is a benefit. So back in June 2019, we received about 600 responses. And the goal of the survey was to gauge how consumers use and interact with online banks, as well as their interactions with traditional banks. So it kind of gets the view of both and their usage of both. But it was focused mainly on consumers that had direct bank relationships. Now, in terms of what drives primary bank status with customers or consumers, it's really where they have their direct deposit set up, where they do the most transactions, where they pay the most bills. To get to your second question in terms of having primary status with their customers and the benefits that it has, what we see is that customers that have primary status with a bank usually bring a little bit more in terms of deposit dollars. So for example, with this survey, we got a read of share of wallet for deposits. So what we saw was that consumers that had primary status with a direct bank, they brought about 62% of their deposits at a direct bank. If they did not have primary status, it was about 43%. So that's about a 20% increase in deposit balances that a consumer brings if they have a primary relationship with a bank. That also goes true for traditional banks, where we see in our benchmarking programs lending itself more towards those traditional banks that have a higher proportion of customers with primary status tend to get better growth, more household growth, more balanced growth at a lower cost of funds. So why are consumers opening accounts online? Who are they and how can banks win them? Well, we found the top reasons consumers open deposit accounts at direct banks 
were convenience, better rates, and lower fees. What really shocked me was that convenience was number one. I wasn't really surprised by better rates or lower fees. Those always come up in our surveys. But when you think about direct banks, you would think, well, they don't have convenience. Jason just explained before that they typically don't have a branch network, and that was the definition of how we sampled for this direct bank survey. But really, after we thought about what convenience meant in a little bit different way, obviously it's not physical convenience like a traditional brick-and-mortar institution, but they do have convenience in terms of the ease of opening accounts, seamless digital technology, and 24-7 customer service. I personally have relationships with traditional banks as well as direct banks, and from my personal experience with direct banks, I do feel that they're very convenient. I define convenience as being very easy to move money to and from the direct bank. In my experience, traditional banks don't make it as easy to move deposit balances in and out of the bank. In fact, you'll never probably find the button when you go into the online banking to do that. But direct banks, obviously, because they don't have the physical presence, need to have a very easy and convenient way to do it. In terms of who are they who open accounts at direct banks? Well, we took a look at some generational segments. And we have Gen Z, which is the newest generation. So we sampled Gen Z, millennials, Gen X, and boomers and older. And what we found, as you would expect, boomers are the lowest percentage of the customer base who open accounts at direct banks. So they're still, by and large, more with the traditional bank. You see a little bit better usage, 49% of Gen X customers have ever opened an account with a direct bank. And we asked ever because in my example, I've had relationships with direct banks for years. So although I haven't opened any new accounts, I have had those accounts for a long time and continue to fund them. Uh, So about half. Millennials were a little higher, 53%. But one of the real surprises was the newest generation, Gen Z, was only 40%. So I was kind of following a nice trajectory there with the more mature customers using it less likely and the younger customers more likely to use it until we get to Gen Z, who looks a little bit different. Now, the final question of how can banks win them over? We did ask a question in the survey about how these generations were satisfied with their online banking apps and digital capabilities. And by and large, they're pretty happy with what they have. We asked the question a little bit differently and said, would you switch if you found a superior digital experience? You'll find that besides boomers, the majority, seven out of 10, would switch. Then we also asked, well, what would be that better experience? It's really the bread and butter things. It's not necessarily anything space-aged that you think about. It's, I want an easy app that I can navigate and find out how to deposit checks and pay bills. Okay, so pretty simple, but sometimes being simple is very difficult in a digital world. So that's what consumers want. Also, particularly the younger generations want fast. They want faster payments, maybe because you're waiting till the last minute to pay my bills. Maybe other people are like me. And they also want quicker transfers. So really, speed was of the essence. 
to add on to that a little bit, Mark, banks are really taking notice to a lot of what you talked about in terms of the digital experience that the customers are seeing and that they're wanting from their banks. We just closed out our 2020 Outlook survey, and banks' number one business challenge for 2020 is improving their customers' digital experience. So again, taking notice, all are planning on investing heavily in that area. That was the number two area for investment. Number one was technology, so they kind of go hand in hand. They're really focusing in on digital for 2020, which is a big switch from 2019, which I believe number one was just focusing on deposit growth. So that dropped out of the top three altogether. Now they're focused on digital. Good stuff. So how does the perception of direct banks compare to traditional banks and how is that perception evolving? Traditional banks are perceived to have the edge in physical, which would make sense, branches and ATMs. And we asked those questions in the survey, basically, who do you perceive as being better? Is it a direct bank? Is it a traditional bank? Or are they basically the same? So clearly, it was tilted toward the traditional banks for the physical presence. Direct banks have the perceived edge and really everything digital. So that would be things like mobile banking, online banking, person-to-person payments, really anything you could think of digitally, the direct banks are perceived to have an edge. Some of the other interesting findings were traditional banks had the edge in wide variety of products and services, so they just are perceived to offer more, and I think that's probably true. Fair fees, I was a little surprised by. I thought that that may go more to direct banks, but it was actually only a slight edge to direct banks. One clear advantage that direct banks have is best rates. Although we talked about earlier, the main reason people open was convenience and not rates, but they're also perceived as having better rates because they don't have the brick and mortar expense that traditional banks would have. Also, trust. Very interesting. Neither a direct bank nor a traditional bank have the edge. In other words, they were perceived as being pretty equal. So there is a battle there in terms of who can win the trust. And trust is very meaningful because to dovetail on some of what Jason was saying, that helps with primacy and share of wallet, who you trust more. Uh, We also found that traditional banks are losing relevance with each generation. We asked baby boomers, and about 70% agreed with the statement that they preferred a bank with a traditional bank with branches. But only 40% of Gen Z have this attitude. So that's the newest generation. So I'm kind of giving you the barbells there, the 70 versus 40. So this is a slow change because we're talking you have to go through generations to see this change. But we are seeing that today when you sample by generational segment. To talk a little bit more about trust, you said it was a little bit surprising on the trust that they were the same. The research that we've done, uh, net promoter score specifically, doesn't necessarily surprise me being that the banking industry scores really, really low on net promoter score. I think trust plays into a lot of that. If you don't trust your bank, you're not going to recommend your bank to a friend, family, or colleague, which is what net promoter score is based off of. So it just shows that banks have a ton of opportunity regardless of their model, whether it's a direct bank or a traditional bank, to improve their customers' trust. And it's a big part in terms of the perception that they have of their banks. Now to quote Gomer Pyle, surprise, surprise, surprise. What was the biggest surprise that each of you saw from the survey? 
For me, it was that direct banks are making really big strides in becoming a formidable competitor for consumers' deposit dollars. About 50% of consumers said they are going to increase their deposits at the direct banks that they have relationships with. On top of that, much of the increase in deposits is coming from deposits that they already have at traditional banks, mainly large traditional banks. So as they become bigger, as they collect more deposit dollars, they're going to become more of a competitor to traditional banks. Yeah, for me, one of the biggest surprises was some findings from Gen Z, because this was the first time that we sampled that new generation. These are 18 to 22-year-olds, and they're not as technology-driven as I expected, okay? And so what I mean by that is we had asked one question, so these customers have accounts at direct banks, but we asked who's their primary relationship, something that Jason talked about earlier. For Gen Z, the majority are using a large bank today. So if you think about, well, this is the new generation, On the one hand, they say they're comfortable without branches, but on the other hand, you look at who they're using as their primary bank, and they, more than anyone else, are using large banks. I also think about my own daughter, who would be a Gen Z, and she tells me about every week that she's going to the mall. And I've heard that the millennials almost killed the shopping mall, but the Gen Z, and this has been published in other research, not necessarily ours, they're bringing back the shopping mall experience. So in some regards, even though they are very tech savvy and grew up with tech, they're also using the physical locations, you know, banking with large banks, going to the mall. And in fact, we looked at those opening deposit accounts online and Gen Z was the second lowest. The lowest was the baby boomers, but they were the second lowest. So they're having different patterns than I would have expected. So the interesting thing to see will be as they mature and age, is this going to hold true? Well, I know what's going to hold true. It's all of the insights and information you have shared with us today, guys. As usual, right on the cutting edge, Mark and Jason, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thanks a lot. Thanks. Jason Mencius is the manager of research at BAI, and Mark Riddle is BAI's director of research and content delivery. You can look for Jason and Mark on LinkedIn. And here are three key takeaways from today's podcast. Number one, BAI findings show that the top reasons consumers choose direct banks are convenience, better rates, and lower fees. Convenience finishing number one represents a surprising finding because direct banks don't have branch networks, for example. But if you think about convenience differently, this makes sense. The ease of opening accounts, for example, seamless digital technology, and 24-7 customer service are the very definitions of convenience. Number two. Because the banking industry has all-around low net promoter scores, which center on how likely customers would be to recommend a business, online banks have made quick inroads vis-a-vis trust. Thus, banks of all kinds, direct and traditional, have a lot of room to improve their customer-facing models. And number three. Customers who have direct bank accounts can defy stereotypes when it comes to who's their primary bank. In particular, Gen Z's. A majority of Gen Z's use a large bank, which is curious since so many are comfortable without branches. 
Yet keep in mind, this is a high-touch, authentic experience generation, collecting vinyl records and bringing back the shopping malls millennials once abandoned. And now BAI Banking Strategies presents My 21-Year-Old Self, where our podcast guest talks about what they were like at 21, life as an emerging leader, and the advice they give themselves today. You would think that all 21-year-olds follow their heart, and many do. But easier said than done. When Jason Mencius looks back at what his 21-year-old self was all about, he had the strength, the fortitude, and the vision to do just that, follow his heart. And it worked out well beyond his wildest dreams. Listen. So my advice would be be to kind of follow what I did, I think I did it pretty well, is really follow your heart. Going back to the start of my college journey, right around when I was 21, maybe a little bit younger than 21, I wanted to be a chemical engineer. Look where I ended up. So completely different. But I think it all ended up pretty well. I ended up staying closer to home where I met my wife. The other thing we did later in life is decided to relocate to Florida. Big decision got up, uprooted, moved to Florida. The bigger and more impactful decision was when to move back. So we wanted to move back closer to home where our family was. And that's when we actually ended up adopting our daughter. So if I didn't follow my heart, I wouldn't have the family, friends, and colleagues that I have today. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast. We hope to have you back with us very soon. Be sure to check out our ever-growing archive of podcasts at BAI.org. We'll see you soon. So long.